Money wants. It's what McCartney wants. Yeah. Money. Money, money, money. This is Tommy James and Shondells. This is money, money, right? Yeah. Is that what this is? That's what what this is. This is that. I believe that. He lives around in Jersey, doesn't he? Tommy Shondell? He lives in uh, Verona. He lives in Verona. Very close to here. I thought, I guess he's because we have Maddie Dean here from the Music Biz pop music program. Madeline Dean, yes. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to have you. And Maddie lives in Morristown, and for some reason I thought Tommy James lived in Morristown. I guess he just no, he's performed there. Verona. Verona. They're making a movie. What was the yes. book? What was his book? Me and the Mob? Yeah, Me, the music in the mob or something, something like, like that. that? Great book about who was the guy? Morris Levy. Who Morris else? Levy. Morris Levy. And they're making a movie about that I just read. Deal. Yes. <laughs> the 360 deal. Okay. Complete with... Um, Baseball bats and yeah, baseball bats. very tall, heavy men. And large art- artillery. Yeah, I yes. You yes, you, you could call it that. And so uh, how are you today? Never very better. Warm. Never very better. Warm. Last heavy, warm day. But tomorrow probably. you're going to wake up how? Sleepy. Probably. But chilly, too. Chilly, too. Yeah. So uh, tomorrow night will be a three-dog night. No tacos. No. Chilly, too. Get it? <laughs> That's funny, You're, you and your food references. We're done. Yeah. Music Biz 101 and more. We have Ashley Veltner, our German engineer, who's behind the glass doing German engineering. Ashley Veltner. She's a Veltner. Good to have you here. And then, of course, we mentioned Maddie Dean. Dr. Stavon Marconi is and on my right. of course, my co-host. Professor David Kerfilp. Here we are. Music Biz 101 WP.com. We have a newsletter that goes out twice a week on Sundays and Wednesdays. Follow us on the Instagram. How many people now subscribe? Over 1,000. Wow. Yes. It's a lot of paper. That is a lot of paper that we, because we individually send every newsletter right, out. Stamp. Oh, the stamps are ridiculous. <laughs> and I write a little personal handwritten note to every single person. Yes. He's, he's right. doing stamps now. Yes. That's, that's what that sound was for those of you at home playing the board so game. So who are we going to thank? Well, we're going to, in a moment, I'll, I'll, I'll thank you to leave me alone so I can say follow Music Biz 101 WP, Instagram, Twitter, and the Fotch Book. And, of course, you're listening to this Probably is a podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, and the Spotify machine. I want to give thanks to Tim Geisen because he had his theme song at the very beginning of the show. Yes. Haven't given Tim enough thanks. Then we want What? He sang it as well. Yes, he sang and performed every instrument, I believe. And composed it. And composed. He did everything. Yes. He's a self-made man. Renaissance. He is a self-made Renaissance man. He's actually from 
if I knew when the Renaissance took place, I go, 1600s? Is it before yes, that? Is it for was, a while. When was the Renaissance? Know, you would know that because you're, yeah, <laughs> earlier, like 300 14th. years. Okay, a lot earlier. Okay. Thanks to the folks at Van Dyne, Bruno Inc. I have management with artists like Dave Matthews, readers down Kiss, and St. Vincenzo. There's only one place to go for your band's business management. Go to VB. Hyphen.com when you're ready. And we should give thanks to Christine Oi. Vey, a wealth manager and the president of Oi. Vey Wealth Management. Christine, as you know, has helped many professionals at William Patterson and elsewhere manage their investments and plan out for their retirement. If a person like you, the listener, is looking for guidance on how to plan out for your, the listener's retirement, or if you have questions, you being the listener, on anything from investments and portfolio management to insurance and retirement planning, give Christine a call. Maddie Dean. Repeat after me, 732. 732. 455. 455. 1510. 1510. That's my girl. <laughs> Anybody can email her, Christine at savings. That's what we would all hope that you would do. Manny Jr. Band 6th Edition has been out for 17 years and it is. As good as ever. We have some copies finally again. Yes, we were just sent some free yeah, copies. That's right. We're not giving any out tonight. Don't oh, suddenly man. start thinking that, oh, I can, there's going to be a contest. There will be no contest. We'll sell you a copy. I'll sell you. <laughs> no, he'll sell you the shirt off the back. to our German ma- No, no, no. We're, no, we're not going to sell it like through uh, Amazon or anything like that. I'm just saying out of the back of my trunk. This is, yeah, Ashley's saying you can't do this on radio yet. Ashley, who is a hip-hop artist was known in the early 1980s for cutting some tracks and selling her mixtapes out of the back of her truck. I have no idea what you're talking about. Oh, you were, or she was there. She was at the beginning the of hip-hop. were dropped. Well, they were. They, that, that was true. You had a very good lawyer. Hey, you knew William Patterson University is ranked one of the best music business programs in all the world. That is correct. All the land. That's sir. All of the seas. Yep. Everything. That is us. Yes, Maddie, you agree? Totally. And you've been at more than one. I have. You, are, are we the best so far? The best. Okay, don't go to any Beyond the best. That's, a, that's pretty good. <laughs> and uh, this is year five and a half of Music Biz 101 and more. Mm. So make sure you're checking out all those podcasts. Over 225 at this point. Very good. We and do a have, new one just came up this week. Rob Light. Head Rob of music Light at CAA. CAA. That's up. And then uh, Mike Mowry from Outer Loop Management. That just went up in the last week. Mm-hmm. And then coming up at the end of this week is Shank. Jonathan Shank. Mm-hmm. Which brings us to our current guest, because this is going to be a podcast. And we'll probably have this up, up to Ashley's time in the next week or so. And we're talking about Michael Kelly mm-hmm. of the agency called UTR. Michael Kelly, UTR agent. Miguel Kelly. How are you, sir? How are you guys doing today? Really good. Good. Yes. How about you? How are you feeling? Doing doing better. A little better. That's uh, good. Been uh, been dealing with migraines all day long. Ah. Uh, well, we'll help yeah. that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> we'll whisper our questions to you. <laughs> and Maddie Dean sings a little bit, so she will sing tweets to you later on. We'd like to hear that. Okay, it- and maybe you can uh, book her and then uh, have her go all around the country. Hot down there in Austin. Uh, I'm in Houston, but yeah, but yeah, it's ah. uh, it's a little brutal down here. Yeah, yeah, yeah we're uh, we're we're waiting, we're waiting patiently for our ten days of cold <laughs> that, uh, that we get every year, right around Christmas. Well, ni- uh, New York City had 97 today. It was 97. Wow. Mm-hmm. Set a record. Wow. Mm. Broke the record. Set a record. Yeah, yeah. So, 
So well, anyway, Michael, so you were an agent for a while and then I take it burnout sent you to producing <laughs> shows yeah. and uh, getting into the club scene? A little, little, little burnout, a little, uh, um, little health issues, um, just a little bit of uh, everything, you know. And um, but yeah, yeah, for about twenty years I was, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, up until about twenty ten, um, got out of the business and decided to do something else for the last nine years, and uh, produced a lot of trade shows and conferences and things like that uh, during that time. Mm-hmm. But uh, around the but yeah, Texas, yeah. For mm, sorry, go ahead. Around Texas area. Yeah, the conferences, the trade shows. Yeah, Texas, uh, Louisiana, Oklahoma. This whole around this whole area. Mm-hmm. Were you uh, originally from there? I was. Um, well, I was actually born in Ann Arbor, Michigan, but uh, but yeah, I grew up here in uh, in Houston and went to school in Austin and uh, spent a lot of uh, spent about eleven years out in California. Right. We would think from here in New York, we would think that. Most of the local bands would be some combination of Tex-Mex or, you know, whatever they want to call it. But that's There's not... There's a little bit of that. There's it, a little of that down here, but not a whole lot. Right. But, uh, that's more uh, That's more Austin and San Antonio and South. Um, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, there is a little bit of that down here. Mm-hmm. So what made you, in 2019, February, it says, get back yep. into it, agents... You know, I kind of I stayed on the periphery a little bit for for all those years that I was away, just kind of watching it. And uh, you know, I was uh, I was actually talking to somebody about two weeks ago at the Americana Fest in Nashville, and he said uh, he was uh, it was actually David Zedek from uh, from United Talent, mm-hmm. and uh, he goes, "Why did you get back into it? You escaped the business." Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, my only response to him was, "Well, you know, we're all lifers." But everybody in this business, uh, no matter what, if you get away from it, you end up back in it somehow. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I think uh, I think everybody, um, and I, I guess that, uh, that you can probably attest to this, uh, <laughs> Dr. Marconi. Um, you know, we're all uh, we're all in it for the uh, for the long haul. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So you got back into it, but you saw the need to expand to PR and and management yeah, as we well did as a little booking. Bit. I've, we, we manage we manage one band from down here, this really amazing rock band called Gandhi's Gun, um, and uh, and then a little bit of PR whenever it's called for with uh, with some of our artists, but not a whole lot. We'd like to leave that up to the uh, to the publicists and the professionals, um, but we will do some of that whenever it's needed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. so we're we're primarily you know primarily booking and uh, in the U.S., Canada, Japan, Australia. South America and a little bit of Europe whenever we have to, although we don't like to. Mm-hmm. Um, it's mainly because we don't really know the European market the way that the uh, the way that the Europeans do. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and uh, there's with all the constant changes over there, it's really hard to kind of keep up with that. Whereas markets like Australia and and Japan and South America, they don't really change a whole lot. Um, there's not a whole lot of dates that you can really do in some of those markets like Australia and Japan and places like that. You know, it's uh, uh, a big Australian tour is about six to seven dates. You know, <laughs> the Japanese tour might be the same. You know? right. so, hey, may I ask you a question, though? Because um, if you if you sure. just look at the size of Australia versus, versus the size of mm-hmm. Japan, explain to mm-hmm. our listeners why 
Australia would only be six and Japan would only be six. Yet Australia in land mass is like 50 size, 50 times the size. Because everything outside of the coast is nothing. <laughs> is, yeah. uh, is just barren wasteland. Right. Um, you know, everything, it's all, it's all, uh, it's all East coast and, and a little bit of West coast. Um, for the most part in, uh, in Australia, you, you fly over, you do, you know, maybe two dates in New Zealand, uh, four to five dates on the East coast of Australia. And then, uh, you might, if you have a really big following over there, go and do the West coast. Um, but even over and go and do in Perth and places like that. But that's even kind of rare. Most, uh, most, at least on the developing side, most newer artists and, uh, you know, artists going over there for the first couple of times, just stick to, um, the main, the main markets on the East coast of Australia. Mm -hmm. Um, but a lot of times you tie that in, you'll do, you'll do New Zealand, Australia, and Japan all back to back. Um, and then fly back if you're coming from the States. What would give you the indication with a baby band that you would try out and try to send them to Australia or New Zealand or demand. whatever? It's just demand. It's 100% demand. Really? Um, and there has to be the demand there for it. Otherwise, it's otherwise it's not really, for baby bands, it's not really You're wasting um, money. Worth, worth doing. No. Um, you know, I see a lot of singer-songwriters actually going over there and doing it and doing it well, but they lose a lot of money doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we see a lot of baby bands trying to do it, but you really have to, you have to be ready to go over there and lose your shirt. Mm -hmm. Are we talking, so. I was typing a question. Were you talking Australia? Yeah. It, yeah. Compare that yeah. to Europe. Or, or Japan or any of those. It's, you know, leaving, leaving the States and going over there, Expensive. everything, it's just, it's really costly, you know? And so without the, without the real demand over there, um, you know, unless you can show that you've got, you know, a huge amount of streams or a huge amount of sales or, or whatever it is, a, a big fan base uh, over there that makes it worth it for you to go see, um, or I'm sorry, for you to go tour over there. It's not really a, um, it's not really worth your, your time or your money. Um, and, uh, and it's, uh, it's extremely costly. The, you know, just just getting uh, getting help over there on the tour um, can be costly, whether it's drivers or or whatever it is. You know what I heard? I heard Dolly Parton, when she goes on tour, she needs to use her specific tour bus. So if she goes to Europe, they put the bus on a boat, and and they wait until yeah. it gets over there. Then she and she sleeps in her bus. That's her hotel is her bus. Oh. And tell me if you yeah. heard this too. Um, because I just heard this on a, on a podcast recently in Promoter 101. They were talking to a guy from AEG in Europe. And he said when Dolly Parton goes to Australia, the bus is too big for the roads. So they passed a law allowing the bus to go on the, on the roads because it was... I did hear that. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. But yeah, she's... Uh, she's that big. She takes that, she takes that thing everywhere. And, and, uh, and kind of like what they did say on that same podcast you're talking about. I heard the same one. Yeah. Um, you know, she's Dolly. <laughs> and uh and they'll they'll change the laws for her because she's uh she's an icon she's mm -hmm. you know she's a she's a legend that you know there's who doesn't know dolly parton yeah uh, but and who won't bend over backwards to help her really sure so. so does uh utr does it act as a middle agent as well for no. some of the agencies no no no, no we don't 
we don't we don't act with the middle agent. We don't really work with middle agencies. Mm-hmm. Talk about that. What, what, talk about the what the middle agent is and where that fits. Middle in. agent is is there are there are a few agents out agencies out there. There's not as many middle agencies as there used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but a middle agent is basically an agency that doesn't exclusively represent anyone. Um, or maybe they do represent a few bands, but they work. They have relationships with clubs and venues and and people like that, and they will come to the agents um, with an offer that they will then tack on a percentage to and everything. So it's they're adding a third party into the transaction, mm-hmm. and uh, it's something that we just yeah. Sometimes it works the other ra- way too. Rarely ever, rarely ever do you know? Yeah. Um, just because it, it's adding an expense in there that really isn't isn't necessary when you have the relationships with the clubs and the promoters yourself. Yeah. So uh, sometimes it works the other way too. Let's say um, William Patterson University that doesn't book a lot of talent, but they want an act that's, let's say, with uh, William Morris or whatever. And William Morris won't trust going directly to William Patterson, the middle agent who knows William Patterson or regionally around here will act as the go-between to make sure the rider, the rider is here to the easiest way to put it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, M- Maddie actually has a question, and um, Michael, you can answer this. It's, it's based upon this conversation. So, is the sure. middle agent is that uh, essentially a territorial agent? Yeah, a lot of middle agents kind of work work a territory, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and yeah, it's not. There's no specific uh, um, territory. It's you've got middle agents in the Northeast who. Um, you know, who just only work with clubs up there in the Northeast. You got, you got them just, it just depends on where they're located and what relationships that they have, mm-hmm. you know, across the country. Um, I mean, some of them are, are nationwide, but where middle agents can come into play um, and actually be, be a good, uh, a good thing is, is in the corporate world. Um, they will work with a lot of, uh, yeah. a lot of corporate buyers. Um, and that's where we do use them, um, and, and are happy to use them because, you know, while we have our relationships with our corporate buyers and everything, there's, there's just no way for anybody to have all of them, you know? And, uh, and so middle agents do get, they do build those relationships and they do get, um, get a lot of, uh, a lot of, a lot of dates that we couldn't really get our, ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can, can we take just a step back, not so much about your history, but where sure. UTR fits into the, again, I keep using this term ecosystem, because we have the six major agencies, CAA, WME, UTA, APA, Paradigm, ICM. ICM. Uh, <laughs> I was trying like, to do all six. Don't look at me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we have the six major agencies. You're an independent agency based in uh, in the Houston area of Texas. Yeah. So uh, explain kind of where you fit in and where, because if they're major, so how are you finding artists that, and why aren't these artists, Jack Temption, for example, who's a great uh-huh. songwriter, mm-hmm. with Glenn Fry, et cetera. Um, why do you represent him and why is he not with a William Morris, for example? There's because there's always a place for for the independents. Um, you know, I started out independent. Um, I went to one of the the big six for about six months and decided that wasn't the world for me. Um, I won't say who, just because you know it's not mm-hmm. really my 
it's not my thing. I'm, I'm not, uh, I'm kind of a control freak. I like things done a certain way, <laughs> I guess is the best way to put it. And I've always been independent. And so I was there for six months and left, um, and have done it myself, um, for many years. And a lot of, a lot of the big six agencies, you know, bought up, um, a lot of the independents. There's a lot yep. fewer independents now than there were, say, 10 years ago. Um, you know, before before a lot of the consolidation, before Paradigm bought up, you know, all the the agencies they bought up, like Windish and uh, and others like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, before UTA bought up um, my old agency that I was at for for several years, at Absolute Artist, um, we were bought up by the agency group, which is now UTA. UTA. Um, before you know a lot of those were were kind of being swallowed up and and there's a few more that I know about that are that are about to happen too that are about to be bought up um, and so yeah there are there are fewer independent agencies but there's always going to be a world for them there's always going to be a, a need for them um, you know we we work with a small roster of artists um, that we're passionate about that we like and do our best to service them, you know, in the niche that they're in. Um, you know, and there's, when, when I left the business in 2010, I represented about a little over a hundred artists at that time and just was not, a was not happy with it. Um, mm-hmm. you know, when I came back in the business, I decided I was going to come back into the business and work with artists that I really liked, that I was passionate about that I felt like I could develop. Um, and that's where, that's where a lot of independent agencies come in is, is on that development level. And, you know, if we're lucky, you're able to hang on to them. Um, you know, and sometimes they do get swallowed up by the big agencies. We all, everybody loses artists. Um, it happens, even the majors, you know, they, they lose them to the other majors all the time. But we, we do represent them strictly, you know, strictly in music. Um, in live in live music, whereas a lot of the major agencies will represent them across different uh, different media, whether it's television or acting or, or whatever it is, they are able to provide them with opportunities that say we may not be able to. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's kind of their selling point to a lot of the artists that they. I don't want to use the word poach, but I'll I'll use the word poach, but that they'll they'll poach from the uh, from the smaller agencies. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, there's, there's advantages to both. When you're working with a smaller agency, you're getting a lot more attention, uh, a lot more personal attention. When you're working with a bigger agency, you might get a lot more opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um, so it just really depends on where the artist is in their career at the time. Would the indie agencies take less percentage than the CAAs? Mm-hmm. No, no, there's. So it's been a standard 10% as long as, as long sure. as I can remember, um, for the last 30 years has been the standard. Um, I've started hearing about agencies going up to 15%. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm personally against that. Um, I have a real problem with that. Um, mainly because I do come from a, an artist development, uh, background. And when you have an artist out there that has to pay their crew, they have to pay their other band members. They got to pay their management fifteen to twenty percent, depending. They got to pay their attorney seven percent. They got to pay whatever it is, you know, that they're paying. If you have an agency taking another fifteen percent on top of that, by the time all is said and done, 
that artist has to figure out how to pay all their bills and all their band members and crew about a 50% of what they're actually making. Oh, yeah. And it's it's getting to the point where um, it's getting a lot more difficult for artists to stay on the road. And with record sales being what they are, uh, the revenue from them being almost nothing these days, uh, artists are only making their livings on on their live shows. And so when you're chewing away 50% of their revenue for what keeps them in business, um, it starts becoming a, becoming a problem and starts shortening their lifespans. Okay, so that's, yeah, because I guess you just answered my question, which you were saying. Yeah. You said it's becoming more different, difficult for artists to stay on the road, and that's because the costs yeah. are getting too high in terms of all the commissions that they are paying out to people. Yeah, yeah, and, and I actually... Um, encourage independent artists to stay independent as long as they possibly can, you know, until it's absolutely imperative that they need it, that they get a manager, that they get an agent um, Mm -hmm. or whatever. I mean, they should always have an attorney. Um, They should have an attorney from day one, but you know, as long as they can stay independent and, and keep from paying those, uh, those commissions out. um, I encourage that. I think it's, I think it's better for them because it it does prolong their, uh, their careers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's, there are times when it, when it helps for an agent to step in, there are times when it's absolutely not necessary. Um, I've seen some artists do amazing booking themselves constantly on the road and doing a great job with it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, uh, we, we had a uh, Ken from Aglich and David Galea from UTA agents at UTA mm-hmm. on, yep. and, um, just last week, we had a couple weeks ago, Rob Light from CAA. Yeah, you're making me follow Rob Light. What, what's that all about? <laughs> well, it was a week in between. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is actually, this is this is why it made sense for us to talk to you, because we had Rob Light from the biggest agency, no, I, and now we have I, the regional, I don't, want, sorry, I don't mean, an independent agency um, right. on. And uh, where was it going? Uh, oh, so uh, I didn't ask Rob this, but we asked Ken and David, contracts with your artists. Tom Wopat, Bo, Bo, Bo Bice, you know, some of the people, Jack Temchin, who I managed before, uh, uh, mentioned, mentioned before. I haven't managed <laughs> him yet. He, he, he hasn't returned my calls. But um, do you have contracts with them? Nope. No, we don't do contracts with our artists. And, uh, Just you know, th- that's, that's another thing that's changed over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, back when I got started in this business, every agency or, or most every agency had contracts with their artists. Um, and, you know, Again, it goes back to you know a personal belief that I have and, and that I know a lot of a lot of agents have out there too is that I don't want an artist that I work with to feel like they're locked into working with an agent that they're not um, that's Happy not with. producing for them. Mm-hmm. So if, if it's and I tell the artists that I work with if if ever I'm not living up to your expectations as your agent, come talk to me about it. You know mm-hmm. and. But uh, but for the most part, you know, I don't want to work with an artist that doesn't want to work with me, and uh, and I think most agencies uh, most agencies feel that way, and so I think that's why there has been there has been a move away from having contracts with artists. Now there there are some agencies out there that still do, you know, um, but for the most part, a lot of the agencies out there are are moving away from that. And what about when you manage an artist? Same thing. Yeah, we have a, we we do have a management contract with the one artist that we manage. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that's it's a lot more involved um, with them. You know, but but there again, they have an out the same way 
the same way you would if you hired an attorney. You know, mm-hmm. you have a contract with that attorney that you hire, but you can fire them at any time. Um, you know, the contract that we have, you know, with uh, with any any management client that we may have is going to be um, is going to be the kind of thing that they can walk away from at any time. You know, and uh, and again, it's it's not a um, it's something that that actually is is good for both parties. You know, for both uh both the management company and the artists themselves. Are you serving as both manager and artist for that band? You mean agent? Sorry, no, no. Actually, uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yes. I, I'm not speaking well tonight. Sorry, no. I'm uh, completely inebriated. I even said inebriated. <laughs> I can't even say the word. I know I'm not, but I sound like so. Anyway, I'm going to rephrase my question. May I, Michael? Yeah. I will rephrase yeah. my question. Are you agent and manager for the band? For the time being, yes. Okay. Um, you, you know, ultimately, ultimately, they're more of a heavy rock band mm-hmm. that we work with. And, you know, if you notice from our roster, we, we deal really heavily in the Americana market, mm-hmm. um, performing arts, um, the singer-songwriter world, things like that. Ultimately, we're probably not the best agent for them. Mm-hmm. And... Will hopefully, when the time comes, find them the right agent. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, that's, uh, mm-hmm. that's just kind of one of those things that, you know, I can service their, uh, their needs live, but ultimately there are other agents out there that specialize in what they do and will end up finding that agent for them at one point. Would you take two commissions for them? Agent and no, management? No, okay. No. Which one would you take? <laughs> I'm, I'm, and I'm not doing this to, to, to get into your business. I'm just curious from an artist. It just sort of sounds like a logical question. Again, I'm not trying yeah. to jump down your throat it, about it. Would this. Just be a management, it'd just be a management okay. commission. I mean, you can't. You can do this in Texas. You can't do this in California and New York. Right. <laughs> um, you know, you can't. Uh, you can't. And, I mean, we're not double dipping or anything like that. I mean, it's just, uh, it's just a matter of we're trying to – this is a developing artist. You know, we're trying to build them um, and and help develop them into an artist that is going to be in demand at some point here down the line. And, and I think they're going to be. They just um, they actually just played a couple days ago at the HEB Center in Austin, opening for Queensryche and Striper and a few other mm. of the big metal bands of the 80s at a sold-out arena show and just blew the crowd away. And, uh, and we got to see them for the first time on an arena stage as opposed to a, a club stage. And I'll tell you, you know, there's sometimes you see a band and you just know that they've got that something that's going to take them from the club level to the arena level. And these guys have it. It's actually what I was going to ask you. What do you look for when you're signing a, uh, a new act? It's, it's different for any, for all different types of types of music, you know, um, mm-hmm. There's one artist that we work with uh, um, that we just just started working with uh, several weeks ago that um, we saw at Americana Fest. Um, this uh, artist named Alice Wallace, you know, and she is um, kind of Americana, a um, little bit of country, you know, a little bit of folk. Um, but when we saw her. I knew the second she started playing, um, you know, we saw her in the tiny little club in, in Nashville. 
Mm. Um, actually, I knew within one song I could see her, you know, on the on the Ryman stage, um, mm. you know, in in the near future, you know, and you know, it's just that kind of thing. If you can see a path, you know, for of growth for that artist, um, and that's that's kind of what I have to see with with just about any artist that I work with is I have to be able to look at look at what they're doing now and see a path to to growth for them, mm-hmm. you know, and where they can be in five years and, you know, see a real exponential growth for them down the line. Now, what's interesting, um, explain that, and this is, I think, a great lesson. So I'm just looking up Alice Wallace right now, just on Spotify. Uh-huh. And yeah, she's um, in Europe. She's in Europe right now. Yeah. And that's what um, I was going to get to. So her biggest selling, I'm sorry, her biggest streaming song just on Spotify and is uh, called The Blue, 57,000, almost 58,000 streams. And uh-huh. like you said, she's on a tour of the UK and also Spain. And it looks like two, four, six, eight, 10, 12, 14, 16, 18, 19 dates, 19, 20 dates. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, she just played her first one last night. Okay, that's great. Um, yeah. How was the demand there for her if you strictly look at the Spotify streams? And I haven't looked at socials. I haven't looked at anything else. So how were you able to put that tour together and make it work for her um, considering well, I, that? I didn't because we okay. just started working with her. Okay. So uh, that, that was actually put together by a European agency. Mm-hmm. I was just say and, that. you know, all, I, all that I really know about it is that it was an agency that was very passionate about her and was able to put something together that, that made sense. And I actually was just watching the video about an hour ago of her show, her first show last night, um, and it was packed. And uh, so apparently she's got, she has people over there that know her. And, um, you know, it's, uh, mm-hmm. but it was a, it was a really good packed show. It was her headlining. So, you know, it's, uh, I don't know <laughs> the mm-hmm. answer to that one as far as, as far as that goes. Yeah. Um, how, how big are the rooms that she's playing? How many seats? Uh-huh. hundred capacity, right? Yeah, so there's there's smaller clubs, you know. But if if last night was any indication of uh, of her future over there, um, I think she's got a really good one, and uh, and I think it's the same same thing for here. Okay, um, but yeah, she was she was just one that you know. There's there were a few artists that I've seen just recently that I was able to see at, at Americana Fest um, that were just just blew me away, you know, and uh. And she was one of them. Another one that already that has an agent that uh, um, that I saw there was this this woman Bonnie Bishop who was just incredible. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah. Well, may I ask a routing question? Sure. And now this is again, you didn't book this tour, but um, it's still a question that you could answer because now you are working with her. So um, just as a singer songwriter, so she has to sing every day. Um, or that's what she does. So she she she's playing um, Rocktober second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth. So that's uh, five days in a row, day off, then eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, six days in a row, um, two days off, and then a couple days on, a day off, day on, then three days off, and then she does five days in a row. It looks like in Spain. Um, what are you talking to the artist and the manager leading up to, again, I know you didn't book this specific one, but just in general routing tours, are you speaking with them and, and trying to figure out how much can the artist do before their voice is going to be able to do it for whatever reason? Yeah, we, we typically get a good idea of what they want to do and what they can do physically. Um, you know, we've got artists that we work with that absolutely have to take, you know, two to three days off a week. You know, Jack Timpson would be a, a perfect example of that. You know, we're not going to put him out there playing five to six days a week. 
Um, you know, we'll put him out there playing, you know, two days on, one day off, two days on, one day off kind of thing. Um, you know, but then again, I've got somebody like Jimbo Mathis, um, who is the, you know, the singer of the Squirrel Nut Zippers. We work with his side projects that he does with, uh, with Matt Patton from Drive-By Truckers. And he will play every day of a 40-day tour nonstop. And he'll probably in 2020 do 350 days. Wow. wow. <laughs> you know? And that, wow. he just stays on the road, whether it's with Squirrel Nut Zippers or whether it's his, you know, this project or, or one of any other side projects that he does. Um, but this is not really a side project. This is actually um, kind of becoming um, becoming his uh, his main thing. And, and um, you know, it's uh, it's he's a road warrior. <laughs> you know, he's out there. Yeah. You know, when we we booked this tour that he's going out uh, that he's out on right now. Um, and you know, I asked him. I said, "Do you want any? You know, how, how many days off do you want a week?" He just said, "None. I don't. I don't want. It. I don't want any days off. Period." You know, and we've got that coming up in 2020 where we've got several tours booked that are every single day, no days off, you know. And so it just varies from artist to artist. You know, a lot of the the newer, developing, really hungry artists, um, they want to be out there playing every every show they possibly can, every night they possibly can. The ones who've been doing it for a while, um, you know, they uh, they tend to to like those nights off here and there. And, um, and I guess I would say specifically um, for for Europe, every night they take off is a night that no revenue is coming in. So that becomes... Or a night, or a night they get to spend in Europe, too, though. Uh, <laughs> well, there's that, so too. So that, yeah. that's, that's the other side of it. You know, mm-hmm. they, they they get to they get to enjoy that. Um, you know, we've, we've had artists that I've worked with in the past that, um, you know, that could do sell-out theater shows um, and would come to us and say, you know what? I don't want to do theaters. I don't like the separation between stage and crowd. Let's do four nights in a row in a listening room, you know, or a, a small, you know, somebody um, like, uh, for instance, Ricky Lee Jones, you know, back in, uh, back in the nineties, um, you know, she was doing, she was selling out theaters and doing, you know, but she came to, uh, to our agency and said, I want to go do some listening rooms. And so we would put her in, you know, two, three, four nights in a row in listening rooms. Mm-hmm. And, um, and there's a lot of artists that are doing that, that are doing that a lot more, um, whether it's underplays or whether it's an intentional underplay or, you know, liking to spend more time in each city. Um, so it's not load in, play, load out, go to the next city, you know, and I'm seeing that, you know, it's always been a trend, but I'm seeing it a lot more these days where artists are enjoying spending you know, two to three dates in a smaller club. You know, it's it's a little bit more expensive for them. Um, they don't make quite as much money as, as they might on a one-hit show. Um, but you know, but they're enjoying it. They're they're not rushed in, rushed out. Um, okay, this is going very well, by the way. Are you are you having a good time so far? I'm having a great time. All right, so far. At any point, at any point, you could say this stinks. But um, you're stuck for another, like, 15 minutes. So uh, Maddie Dean, who's here with us, uh, is going to read the first tweeted question for you. Because you specifically, when you and I spoke last week, um, you said you wanted to kind of definitely aim for DIY audience and talk about some of that. So um, we'll get in there. And I interrupted you as you said, hi, Maddie. So you can say hi to her again, and I'll stop talking. Go. Hello, Maddie. 
Hi there. Um, so Jason Jordan asks, what is the common mistake DIY artists make when trying to establish their careers and gain more active fans? That's a really good one. And, uh, yeah, they try to tackle the whole country at one time. Um, and I see this all the time with new developing artists. They get a couple songs up on Spotify. Um, you know, they may put out an independent album or something, and they suddenly decide that they have to get out and tour the United States um, and tour every night and play everywhere they possibly can. And it's one of the biggest mistakes that a lot of them make because um, they're wasting their money. They're they're kind of not really building it a, as a strategy. You know, there's no reason the band from San Antonio needs to go play Seattle and Portland um, without having a following there. There's no reason that, um, you know, a band from Minneapolis needs to come down and play Texas, you know, once a month or whatever. They needed to you know, to build up their, their local market and develop their local market first and kind of build in concentric circles around that, you know. And at least for an independent DIY band, it's, you know, I see so many of them trying to do this and just, uh, and it burns them out, you know, or breaks up the band is they get out there and they just, they just tour and tour and tour and tour and really don't ever build anything. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, and then wonder why every time they go back to city X that, you know, there's still only the same five people that were there the time before, you know? Um, and when, depending on where you, where the band lives geographically, you know, if you're in a market like, you know, the Midwest or, or Texas or the East coast, you can play somewhere for every hour's worth of driving. And there's no reason not to just, you know, stick to, you know, your state or the couple states around you and build it and, and develop it the same way a lot of the bands back in the 90s, other bands like Hootie and the Blowfish back then that developed the Carolinas and Georgia and Florida before they really expanded out of there. There were, you know, them, Jump Little Children, um, a lot of those bands from back then in the 90s all around that southeast area, they built up the college market and, and all those clubs there before they ever ever blew up nationwide and uh there's a lot of bands just now they feel like hey you know i've got five listeners now i'm on spotify in in billings montana i need to go play for those five listeners well they really don't um and this is they need to you know they need to build something locally and regionally first this is and, so different. and that comes to i'm sorry go ahead well, i was gonna say this is so different from the old days when a tour was put together to support a release and mm -hmm. the record the labels wanted you to perform in places where the record wasn't selling and the agents wanted you to play in a town that the record was selling obviously to get right. more money and that it's was interesting just, because that was a formula that, that paradigm has changed yes that, that paradigm has completely changed totally. back then back then you toured to support a release now right. you put out a release to, to support, support a tour. tour sure um and it's it's completely different now because mm -hmm. because of the revenue streams, you know because records aren't your your number one revenue stream mm -hmm. anymore. Your touring is, Absolutely. so you know most touring artists that's that's where they make all their money, and you know it's you put out a release to help you you know keep building the markets that you're building. Mm -hmm. And uh, but yeah, it's it's the exact opposite of the way it used to be. Yeah. Yeah. 
Okay. We have another question from you for you from uh, Maddie. Sure. Okay. This one's from Dean Dean Tuono, and he wants to know when looking or working with an independent band, what is the first thing you look for? Is it Instagram, the music? Do you go see them live, YouTube, etc.? What do you think? I want to love them. You know, I want to love the band. I mean, that's just me. I, I really want to to absolutely just be blown away by the band. Um, live show is, is uh, because the live show is everything now, um, when it comes to developing bands, if they don't have the live show, I'm not interested. Um, and I think that goes for 99% of agents out there um, are going to say the same thing. It has to be the live show. It has to be there. They have to pull it off. And if they can't pull it off, you know, then they just need to keep developing until they can. Um, that's what we look for as far as agents, you know, agents go, as well as their ability to market themselves and to promote themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, it, a lot of it's about, you know, what they can do for themselves. And it kind of sounds a little backwards if, you know, if they can do it for themselves and why do they need us? But it's true. We, we want to see them build themselves first to a certain point where then we can step in and use our relationships, our, you know, the pool that we have to take them to the next step. Um, as far as clubs go, um, you know, there are certain metrics that clubs look at and yeah, that's bands in town, Spotify, you know, their socials, um, and also their engagement. Um, but yeah, you know, <sighs> I was going to mention with uh, with clubs, just because I, I did I did own a few clubs back in back in the early 2000s and everything, and I was a talent buyer alongside being an agent for a while. And one thing that uh, you know that bands have to understand about clubs is, you know, club buyers are only there to keep their club open. They, they want to, they need to do the business. They, you know, you can sell them on, you know, how great you feel your band is or, or how, how much press you have and everything else. But what they want to know is what you can do for them. And I hear a lot of bands kind of trying to book themselves into clubs and it's all about what, you know, they're approaching the club with what the club can do for them and the club doesn't want to hear that the talent buyers don't want to hear that they want to hear what the band can do for them mm -hmm. um and that's how bands really have to sell themselves to clubs is you know they have to show that they can you know bring x amount of people through the door they have to show that they're going to really actively promote that show whatever show it is and that they're going to really do everything within their power to to get people through the door of that club. Um, and that's the only way they're going to come back. And, and a lot of times, you know, a club may book them. They may only draw five people. But the club owner or the club buyer is going to look at them and go, but you know what? They promoted the hell out of that show. They did an amazing job promoting that show, and I want them back. You know, and that's where, you know, and it's also how they how – they, act when they're in the club too, how they, uh, how they approach their show, how they act with the crowds, with the staff, with the bartenders, with everybody. Um, you know, it's really, really important. Are, are you looking at how much a band promotes itself on social media as well? Besides Absolutely. just followers, are you looking at how they promote their 100%, shows? 100%. Mm -hmm. Um, 
again back to uh, back to that band that I mentioned earlier, Gandhi's Gun, that that we work with. We, uh, you know, when we started working with them, I told them, hey, you know, they had some really great Facebook engagement and Instagram engagement and stuff like that. You know, but I told them, I said, you know, try doing every Monday night, do a do a thirty minute, you know, talk about your band, uh, let your crowd, let your fans know what's up. Um, maybe do a couple songs acoustic, whether it's your songs or favorite songs of yours or whatever, but personalize that relationship with your fans. And they started doing that, and the engagement just went through the roof um, because they started personalizing their relationship with their fans. And that's probably the most important thing that a, that a new developing band can do is to, to build their, their fan base. Okay, and uh, back to a tweet because Jason Jordan, who was the very first uh, tweet, is actually listening in, and he has a follow-up to your answer. Sure. Uh, yes, Jason would like to know if it is smart to perform in any other areas once in a while, especially when it comes to music festivals. Yeah, festivals, absolutely. Yeah, festivals, are festivals. I guess, are the, kind of the exception to the rule. Um, you know, if you can get on them, great. Um, whether it's music festivals, one thing that we uh, that we or I have have always kind of uh, paid a lot of attention to, and and was kind of specializing in back back 15 years ago, was these city festivals. Um, the you know not so much the music festivals, but every city's got them. Whether they're a, a craft beer festival or a crawfish festival or whatever. You know, those things have got anywhere from ten to thirty thousand people at them that, you know, you're not competing with fifty other bands for merchandise sales and they're really great to play and a lot of them will book new developing bands all the time. And so yeah, if you can get in front of that many people in a situation like that, by all means, always, always travel for the festival if you can. Rob Light brought up a an interesting point. And he said if you get a terrible time slot and let's say you're on noon on Sunday and you get a terrible time slot, what he tells his agents to, to do is to get that band back in the area as soon as possible to play clubs yep. and so on and so forth to get any momentum that had started with the, uh, with the festival appearance. Yeah, and you've got, I mean, you've got festivals like, like Coachella, obviously, and Bonnaroo and things mm. like that where... <clears throat> you may you may get the the bad time slot. You may get the the noon or eleven a.m. time slot or whatever. But a lot of a lot of artists look at that as we're on the poster. You know, you're mm -hmm. you're you're a part of that festival. You're getting to sell merchandise. You're getting to also make those make those <clears throat> friendships with those other bands that are on the festival. So yeah, the you know the time slot. Yeah, it can be terrible going on and playing to fifty people at a festival that's going to have fifty thousand. Um, it, you know, at, at 11 a.m., it can be really awful, and uh, and um, and uh, you may hate it at that at that time. But a lot of those festivals open up a lot of doors for a lot of bands, and um, and if those bands use that, you know, use that opportunity right, and uh, you know, a lot of bands are, are band members are very introverted, and you cannot be an introvert and be in a band, and 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 expect that that band's gonna, you know, gonna do really well. You have to be an extrovert. You have to be out there, you know, networking, networking, networking as much as you possibly can. And that's, those festivals provide that, that opportunity. 
My final question, because we're close to wrap-up time. Um, you had mentioned earlier how if you're an agent in New York and California, you need to... Uh, Need a, it, need a license. So down to, in Texas, do you, do you need a license, a booking agency's, a booking agent license in Texas? You don't, you don't have to have one in Texas. Yeah. So, but if you wanted to book shows for an artist in California or New York. You still, you still don't. I mean, okay. we all do, or not all of us, but, but a lot of us do have, have a license. And, uh, um, but you don't, you don't necessarily have to have one. Where is your, is your license in Texas or is it like a license in those two states? It's in Texas. Okay. And that one license in one state carries over to all other 49 states? Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a national license. Oh, it's a national license. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. And when you first get it, you passed a test and you paid some money to pass the test and you then you pay, had it? You just paid some money in Texas. Oh, you didn't even have to pass a test. You just paid... No. Uh, you just paid uh, some money. Oh, a fee. Okay. Uh, Marconi stepped out. I'm not sure. I think he's upset with something you said. It would never be something I said. Oh. But uh, but we do need to wrap it up because Ashley Weltner, our German engineer, is saying time is up. So this has been good. Are you glad you did this, Michael? Absolutely. Yeah. I actually could spend more time, but we don't have more time. But uh, I sure. thought this was really good. So we do really appreciate cool. you spending the time. Yes. Thank you Absolutely. so much, Michael. Michael Kelly of UTR. Michael Kelly of UTR. Hey. That was really <laughs> nice. That was really good. Thank you so much, Michael, for calling in. Uh, we'll yep. be in contact over the electronic mail. Sounds great. Take care. Thanks. Maddie Dean, what'd you think? That was awesome. Yeah, it was, was good. Great. Yeah. I thought it was really good. What'd you think, Ashley? Good? Yeah, okay. She said, uh huh. Marconi walked out. Are you upset with something that Michael said? Nature. Uh, <laughs> nature called. With 30 seconds left, nature took over. Nature versus nurture. So, okay. Well, we are done with the show. So, Michael hung up. We're done. And uh, we're just wrapping up because Ashley says wrap up. Okay. So, we want to thank Maddie Dean. Yes. William Patterson University pop program. Music business minor. Want to thank Ashley Weltner. German engineer. Pop program, music business minor. We want to talk Dr. Marconi, yes. Dr. Esteban Marconi, who has been running the music business program since 1984. Correct. Correct? Yes, that's at least 10 years. Yes. Maybe well, 11. We didn't have it until 86, but that's okay. Yeah. Really? So my freshman year here was the first year of the program. Yes. And who we have next week? Next week, uh, we have um, Bruce Houghton of uh, Hypebot. He is also an agent, uh-huh. and he also is uh, part of bands in town. His oh. agency is called Skyline Agency, and so we're going to stick with agents for a little bit and talk I with another that. independent Three, uh, agent. Right. Yeah, so it's, it's kind of cool. because third one in four weeks. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because we're, we're touching on things, especially with the indie agency that we have not done. Right. We spent many years talking about it with label people mostly. Yes. So we've been going live a little Speaking bit. Speaking of label Speaking people. Speaking of label people, the week after that, Joe, uh, Joe Riccatelli, co-president RCA Records, will be in studio with us. Yes. He's going to put his arm around me and say, Dave, I love you, kid. Boy. Wouldn't that be great? I can't wait. Yeah, because I love me, kid. It's be great for radio, too. Yeah, it's going to be really good. So we should appreciate that. So, up, oh, we suddenly have to stop with the banter. So thank you so much for listening. At the end of every show, do we say hello? Maddie, do you think we say hello at the end of every show? Yeah. Marconi, what do we yeah. say at the end of every show? Say H-O-L-A. We don't say Allah. We say, do it with me. Adios. She put me in a vibe Oh, she take me to my heights I've been searching high and low
Oh, 